I wish you all could sit up here and hear Pastor Steve sing when he does a desk cant. It's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, Happy New Year. And, and it, yes, Happy New Year. It's 8 o'clock. Let's wake up, right? So we're sitting around a table last week with my family and having dinner out and asked the question, let's talk about your, your highlights. What was your favorite part of 2015? And going around the table, uh, my oldest daughter immediately shouted out, Camp Arcadia, without a doubt. Being at Camp Arcadia is always a highlight. Uh, my youngest daughter, she said, yeah, absolutely. Being at Camp Arcadia is always a highlight for her too. And we talked about getting away over spring break. We had a little family road trip, and that was a highlight for the year. And, and there were some other things we talked about, you know, walking along that beach when we were there. That was a highlight because uh, our youngest had never seen the ocean before, and that was pretty special for her. And, and we started thinking, what are highlights of last year? I mean, if you were asked that question today, what would you say? The highlight of 2015 for you. You know, what would it be? Something to ponder today. Uh, the other question would be is, what was the worst part of 2015? Because we often maybe can come up with the worst parts faster than we can with the best parts. Sometimes it's easier. Think of maybe a diagnosis of, of, of a sickness in your life or a family member. Maybe it was a situation that happens with your job or your family or a, a relationship situation or circumstance. Or uh, The list can go on of things that maybe didn't go so well this past year. And you start to contrast that with the things that did go well, the things that didn't go well. And what is a new year going to hold? You know, there's other things that happened this past year that could be counted as some of the worst things. And, and they aren't just personal. They, they're national. They're uh, worldwide. I mean, we think of race relations in our country this past year and how things blew up again and again and, and things seemingly took a huge step backward in terms of understandings between races in our nation. That, that was maybe a, a low point in our, our nation this past year. Maybe um, looking at more shootings and and, and what we saw happen in, in schools and other places and terrorist activity even on our own soil as well as in Paris and so many other places around the world. The onslaught of ISIS and, and terrorism on that front or, or seeing this incredible thing called refugees fleeing their land of, of Syria and millions of people being displaced because of war, because of persecution and seeing some of that footage of people drowning Children drowning with their families. You know what? I, pol politics aside, folks, these are people. <laughs> and, and seeing families being displaced and having nowhere to go, being corralled into uh, fenced-in areas or not being allowed to go, and, and, and just saying, what do you do with all of this? It's overwhelming to think of millions of people being displaced. People each who have a story. One of the low points of this past year, I think. What to go with and where to go with that. You know, you contrast that, then you say, well, what, what do you think Jesus and his family, Joseph and Mary, if they were looking back on a year, what would be some of the high points in their life or low points in their life? You've got to believe for Joseph, one of those low points might have been finding out that his fiance was pregnant and realizing it wasn't his baby and that initial reaction of 
now what? And, and thinking about going through the motions in his mind of I need to divorce her. I, I, that's the only way. I, I, I need to walk away. She's been unfaithful to me. And, and then how God intervenes and gives Joseph that dream and that message that this is of God. That could have been a high point, I think, when they realized what God was going to do in and through them. For Mary, the visit of the angel that you're going to give birth to this special child that's going to save the world in that overwhelming sense, and yet what God did through that. Maybe a low point was, man, come in and, and, and it's time to go and, and report for a census, and of all times, it comes time for Mary to give birth. And in such a lowly place, in such a humble way, in some ways, maybe that was a low point, but in other ways, certainly a high point because they were safe. They were there together. Handles the visit of those shepherds. And then sometime later, and by the way, it drives me crazy that we have the wise men kneeling at the manger out there. Because they didn't. They weren't there. It, it came sometime later. We don't know how long it took, but by the time they arrive, Matthew's gospel makes it clear, they came to a house. And, and they're led by a star. They, they ask for directions in Jerusalem. And Herod hears of this. Like, what are you talking about? A star leading to a, a, a king of the Jews? What are you looking for? And he seems so convincing and, and sincere to say, uh, what, what does it say about that? And he consults the chief priests and the, the teachers. And they say, well, Bethlehem will mark the arrival of, of Messiah. And, and those encouraging words of Herod, I say encouraging with quotes that tells the, the Magi to make their way to Bethlehem and find him. And then when you do find him and worship him, be sure to tell me where he is so I too might go and worship him. And when they do find him, and that star leads them, this light that leads them to the light of the world. And they offer these gifts of, of gold. No explanation needed there. What a gift. Frankincense, something that was used often in the temple. It was a sweet-smelling aroma used in incense and in worship. Very, very expensive and important. And, and then myrrh, kind of a strange gift for a kid. Um, kind of strange thing to bring to a baby shower because um, it was often used for burials. And yet very expensive perfume and fragrance. An incredible gift. And uh, three gifts, not necessarily three magi. And they weren't kings. They were wise guys, right? And, and there could have been hundreds of them. There could have been ten. We, we really don't know. But they arrive at the house. Could have been a couple months. Could have been a couple weeks. Could have been a couple years. We're really not sure. But when they arrive, they arrive there and they bow down before Jesus. They pay him homage. And, and that... Bowing down goes beyond honoring an earthly king. There's a sense that they have that this one who has come is God. And how they find this out, how they know, do they know something about the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament, that they'd studied those books of wisdom and prophecy? Is that where they got that information? Did God reveal it to them in other ways? We don't really know their whole story. But here's what we do know is in that moment, God has opened up the message of his son to the world. Not just a chosen group of Jewish people, but to the world. And to realize they're some of the first to come and worship this newborn king. Now it's revealed to them in a dream not to go back to Herod. And they go back a different route. And it doesn't take long for Herod to figure it out that they have 
left him out of the mix. And this is where the true colors of Herod start to reveal themselves. And what we're going to talk about next is kind of the part of the story, and you want to talk about the worst of the year and the story that would be told for Jesus and his family. We don't always talk about this part. But what Herod does next truly does reveal a little more of his character. Herod in anger sets out an edict that any child under the age of two would be murdered in the vicinity of Bethlehem. Now, this is not surprising. See, King Herod, Herod the Great, as he was known, was not a very nice guy. His reputation was very mean, very cruel, ruthless. In, in some of his, his story, it was once said that it was safer to be a pig in Jerusalem than to be part of Herod's family. And the reason was this. Pigs were actually protected by law. Herod's family was not. Herod had put to death one of his wives um, for just a, a, an accusation of, of the thought that she had cheated on him. He put her to death, and it ends up she actually was faithful to him, but uh, oh well. Um, he, he had also murdered her, her father uh, just because he was well-liked. He, he, he also murdered a brother-in-law because the Jews actually liked the brother-in-law better than Herod and had him put to death, strangled him. He actually also strangled two of his sons, had them put to death. Um, this is kind of part of the M.O. of Herod the Great, not a very nice guy. And for him to then put out an edict to say, go and slaughter the male children under the age of two in the vicinity of Bethlehem. Many have thought that how wide of an area did that slaughter occur? And, and some have thought is, is that prophecy in the Old Testament that is, is connected to this of, of the crying out of Rachel and, and Ramah and, and Rachel being in the vicinity of Bethlehem and Ramah being five miles north of Bethlehem or north of Jerusalem, Bethlehem being five miles south, that maybe uh, he went five miles around Jerusalem in every direction and that covered the slaughter, often called the, the slaughter of the innocents. And yet this is part of the early story of Jesus and his family. God gives a dream and sends a dream to Jerusalem or to, to Joseph in a dream and says, flee Bethlehem, for Jesus is wanted for dead. And they do. They flee and they, they make their way to Egypt. And, and it hadn't really occurred to me until just this week, thinking and pondering this a little bit. And, and reading up more on this is that Egypt had actually become a place where many people uh, from that area had already fled. Jews had fled because of Herod's tyranny. tyranny. Um, they were displaced because of politics. They were refugees. And many Jews were settling or trying to find a place to stay in Egypt during these uncertain times of politics that, that were ruthless and their lives were, being on, the, were on the line. And, and here's Jesus with his family really being a refugee. And I don't think I'm stretching the term at all. I'm just thinking about this. Like Jesus in his early life was a refugee. And of all the ways that God could enter into this broken, fallen world, he doesn't show up in a palace. He doesn't show up in privilege. He shows up in poverty. And he shows up as one who is displaced. And yet God provides for them. You know, certainly Mary and Joseph didn't come with the idea that they were going to be away from Nazareth for years. And yet that is exactly what happens. They're displaced for years. 
They spend that time in, in, in Egypt, and finally the time comes, Herod dies. Um, scholars say that Herod the Great most likely died between 4 B.C. and 1 B.C. And some of you are scratching your head. You're like, wait a minute, doesn't B.C. mean before Christ? How does that work? Well, it's because the dating system we follow is off by several years because it was misfigured out. And, and, and as a result, um, Herod didn't die before Jesus was born. It's just the timing of Jesus' birth and what they figured was off. When Herod finally dies, God sends another dream to Joseph. It's time to go. Come back and go back to your land. And there's this beautiful vision there, again, prophecy fulfilled, that out of Egypt, God would call his son. And, and here's this beautiful gift of a reminder of what God had done to his people and rescued them from slavery and bondage and led them back to freedom as he rescued them from Egypt and slavery there. And, and here, it's happening in a new way. The one who would fulfill that ultimate freedom and come to be the one who would rescue God's people is now set free and led back into his homeland, you might say. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus are making their way back and it so ends up that Herod's son is also just as evil and and there's this fear Joseph has of what if we're still not safe? And finally God gives him word, now go back to Nazareth. Now you might say, well good, finally they can get home to their hometown. Well the thing is though, Nazareth wasn't a very good place to be from either because among the Jews, Nazareth was considered a bad place. I mean, after all, it was a place where a lot of Gentiles would pass through and and there was a mixing of cultures and as a result, Nazareth was not considered to be a good place to be from. And yet I find it significant that it's there that Jesus grows up in a place that is ethnically very diverse as people would pass through from a lot of different nations. Jesus grows up around that. God purposely places his son in the places of diversity. And it's there Jesus is raised. It's there that later in his ministry, Nathaniel would make that comment, Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, what kind of good can come out of Nazareth? And yet the greatest good and the greatest need and the greatest love that the world had ever known. Jesus, a refugee, who comes to be a refuge. And ponder that today as we face a new year. Because I have a feeling, you know, you think, you wonder, what is this new year going to hold? Is it going to be filled with more worse and, and, and troubles and tribulations and struggles? I, I got fears, I got questions, I have doubts. Is my next year going to just be filled with highlights and everything's going to go well? I mean, we're always filled with hope that everything's going to go according to plan and You know what? That's often a a bad way to set up our expectations because most likely there's going to be hard times this year at various points. Life isn't going to be all a a red carpet rolled out for us. There are going to be struggles. And in those times, where do we turn? You know, God provided a star to those magi to find Jesus. God actually comes and he comes as Jesus to bring the light to the world. We don't, we aren't really given a star, are we, to follow. But we are given the light. Jesus comes to be that light and he shares it through his word and God continues to comfort and remind us of his presence here today. You know, God has come to be that refuge among refugees like you and I. We're displaced people and not to contrast that to Syrian refugees, but all of us in this broken world really are refugees. We're not home yet. 
But our God comes among us to remind us that when we are present with him, as he has come to be present with us, we truly have something to be grateful for. No matter what the new year holds, God is holding on to us. I invite you to pray with me this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming into this world and not doing so in a sheltered way. You didn't come in wearing a, a suit of armor to, connect, or to uh, disconnect you with the brokenness and the pain of this world. Rather, you faced it. And from your early birth and your childhood on, Lord Jesus, you were surrounded by tribulation and trials and difficulty. And yet in the midst of that kind of circumstance, you come to be the light of the world. And Lord, that is good news for us as we begin a new year, knowing that no matter what is ahead, we face it with the strength and the certainty of knowing that we are present with Jesus, the one who loves us, the one who is here for us, the one who has given us the gift as a refuge from all things. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.